Hello, I'm Henry. This is What If We Get It Right. Uh, our goal here is to dream big and to think hard about the actions that we can learn from yesterday, take today, and make our future for tomorrow. If you'd like and you like the ideas that are uh, being discussed on this podcast, you feel like uh, it's something that could be shared, please like, comment, share, follow. Uh, subscribe, whatever it is, or whichever media that you're listening or watching this on. Uh, the best way that you can uh, support us is by sharing and liking and commenting. So thank you for everybody who does that, and we appreciate it. Um, today, I have a guest, uh, Carl. Um, I'm going to try to pronounce this just right. It's Carl Schulschenk. Uh, Schulschenk. Nice. Got that Got right? Nice. All right. Perfect. Uh, sure. Um, Carl is a freelance uh, storyboard artist um, and concept designer. He's done work on films, TV, animation, and advertising for over 12 years. I'm going to leave everything else for him to tell you about because he's the best one to talk about himself. And uh, Carl, thank you for being on the show with us. Um, why don't you start by introducing yourself and maybe what you're possibly known for if anybody knows you for anything <laughs> or, or what <laughs> also you'd like to be known for right uh thank you firstly thank you so much for having me it's it's um yeah really i'm really excited to get to chat with you and um yeah like with our previous conversations uh, i've this is the type of stuff i love chatting about um so this is awesome um yeah my, my name's carl i'm um i was born and raised in south africa uh grew up born in cape town grew up in a little town called stellenbosch um i as you said I, i've worked spent the almost 13 years now actually working in the in film tv advertising industries as a predominantly storyboard artist but i've also done illustration work concept art a lot of the work i do is sort of uh centered around the pre-production phase of a project so it's it's generally next to the script being written. It's it's sort of one of the first phases of like a film or a television show being produced. Um, in terms of projects that I might be known for, um, I'd say I mean the projects I'm most proud of are probably uh, for one Black Mirror. I got to work on a episode in season three called San Junipero, which uh, I believe is has become quite a cult classic uh, within the sort of sphere of black mirror um i was i did a lot of concept art and graphic design for that show for that particular episode um i've also worked on dark tower the film doing uh, in the art department uh um, for yeah that was that was an interesting <laughs> one i mean we can definitely get into it because um that was, just for uh, people yeah. that don't know the dark tower is a book series done by stephen king that too exactly. few people have read <laughs> to, I, I, I don't know if you've read yeah, it or yeah. not, but <laughs> too I, few so people I, have. <laughs> if I'm being totally honest, I started reading The Gunslinger just because I was trying to do. I I'd read the script. I mean, very often, if I'm being honest, and again, I can only speak for myself, but as at least as so far as concept art goes, um, I seldom read the entire script. I sort of, I would only kind of engage with what is required of, like what I specifically needed to draw. But typically sure. when I do storyboards, that requires, I think, a much better understanding of the script and sort of the whole story and the narrative. Um, mm. 
but yeah, to be honest, I haven't read the series. I, I believe, I know, I understand it's, it's amazing. <laughs> and it's also one of those, like with many films that I have on like a li- sort of a extensive list of films and books I need to, to read and watch or watch and mm. read. I just haven't touched sides with it, but um do you yeah. mean to, to, I love, to I love Stephen King <laughs> to whip your on that one. Oh, yeah. good, oh, good. I am. Um, um, yeah. Please keep going. Yeah, I oh. I could go all day on that because, and I will say one thing. I I think that the story or the book series is super long, hmm. but the part that I found so brilliant is that he wrote that over. I think it's like something around forty years of his life oh, wow. as an as an as an author and you can see the internal struggle and self-reflection of him as an author and artist and how he progresses through his ability to storytell and interact with his mind in a story it, it i found it just brilliant i i think it was very enlightening but maybe it's just how my mind works but i i think it was just right uh, i mean that does that, not have as much props as it usually gets <laughs> right I, I unfortunately i think that's usually the kind of the way it goes you know where it's only maybe posthumous posthumously when an artist or a creative passes away and, and their work then often truly gets discovered or like rediscovered um mm. But yeah, it's it's always fascinating when you do see that progression of an artist, you know, through like an extensive body of work and particularly to a point where it's like a specific universe or a specific set of characters or all one character. And to mm. see, as you say, like his sort of style is becoming more refined or maybe there's sort of things that have happened in his real life that are starting to bleed into uh, what's happening in the story. And I think there's definitely something to to creating creating anything really that is there's no you know when you don't have a particular sort of end goal in sight um there's almost it's this sort of more of like a therapy or like a catharsis through expressing yourself through this medium that you get to like yeah i think you get to process a lot of internal things and you you know you, you're doing it through the lens of like fiction or through whatever medium that takes um, mm. and that's that's something i hope to i'm sort of starting to get off the ground and start to explore myself is like creating something without the intention of it being like cool i'm gonna and i think this is very much by virtue of doing storyboards particularly because and even more so for advertising where it's just the time frame is so small you have maybe two three days to like knock out like tons of storyboards you know for a director and then Mm. that's it you're like you're done you move on to the next thing and so just okay it kind of amplifies this this idea of like things are just you you don't have the time to really like get into the kind of meat and potatoes of it like to really get to explore it and to like immerse yourself in it and i think when i find projects um and i would say most so you know creating my own personal project where i'm really it's at my speed and at my pace um i'm getting i'm really taking the time to like just explore this world that i'm creating but also explore myself like um, i'm taking Mm. things of my own personal experiences and i kind of shaping them a bit and adding them you know putting them onto character like into characters or into like environments and um yeah i think this idea of 
I, I interrupted you a little bit. I'm sorry. Oh, good, no worries. <laughs> uh, you, were, you were telling us about some of the work that you were doing, and I'll, I can bring you back to that. You were, you were saying, and maybe this is a good time because I, I hear you touching on it, and I want to also talk about this as your project. Because the second part of my question was, you know, what would you like to be known for? And I think right. that's where you're going with this uh, as far as, like, you're creating this story and yeah i mean it's a it's a great question because i i we kind of spoke about this before we we went live is like i don't i'm quite a low-key person like i don't like i don't like receiving attention like i'm quite introverted i think over the years Mm. i've learned to really uh kind of come out of my shell so to speak and and i think it's more about becoming comfortable with who i am and not trying to Mm. not trying to you, I think you're always going to be influenced by external things, you know, whether it's other people or it's by experiences, by traveling or like things that you consume and interact with. But there's definitely it's just been this interesting journey through my sort of twenties where I, in a lot of ways, was kind of like this sort of chameleon socially, where I was often forcing myself to trying to fit into a situation or a, a experience because I felt that's what I needed to do in order to fit in. Um, but as I'm, you know, I'm, I'm now almost 35, which which to me, it's crazy. Like I, these sort of, these years, like going into my thirties have been just so much more formative because I've taken that, I've been able to reflect, I think, and also just slow down. Um, Mm. I do find, and, and this is something I've been kind of, I don't know, not necessarily victim of, but we live in an age where everything is so instant. Everything is so immediate and it completely warps expectations and the understanding of what's actually required, like the time that's required to create something truly, I think, interesting and and to give it that room to really breathe and to live versus Mm. just creating something like I, I, for quite a while, like, and especially with this project, which I'll expound upon more, but I got into this mindset of like, I had to produce something every day so I could put it on social media and so that I could keep up with the, just increasingly more frenetic pace of this like algorithm. And I was like, I was, I felt like I was barely managing to keep up because it's just, if you're not like playing by their rules or by their game, you're just going to fall out of the sort of, you know, air the focus. And um, as I've kind of taken a step back and a lot, partly out of laziness, because if I'm being honest, like there've been moments where I've just had no, desire or like inspiration or energy whatever you want to describe it as but sure and to be okay with that to be totally okay like cool today i'm just not gonna do anything creative like i need to i need to also just not put all my eggs in this one basket because i think it ultimately just creates this imbalance in your life and the more i've been able to just take a step back and really just be present and appreciate these smaller experiences that kind of fit in between everything else that you often deem one deems to be more important than than everything else it it's really helped me i think appreciates just um yeah slowing down i think and so with this project um which is called hong congo um this is a personal project like a world building project i've been working on since i want to say 2014 was really the genesis of it of the idea um 
it's something I've only in, in the sort of last, I'd say, two years, I've really been proactively taking steps to to get off the ground. And I think to also come at it from a much more practical um, sort of approach where before I, I, I mean, I still have all these ideas. I'd say like 90% of it is still in my head. And it's it's been about how now, how do I now like kind of distill it and and whether I'm putting it onto paper in the form of a drawing or if I'm writing it out, how do I, how do I in a sort of just sort of more achievable way, get these ideas out there and, and, and kind of build this strong foundation versus like expecting to achieve this massive grand thing. And in the past, I'd often just daydream and, and sort of live more in the future. And like, these things that I hope for, you know, that I really hope will come to fruition, but I would often just end up, I'd say, wasting time, like daydreaming about the stuff and not being really prepared to like, just put in the work, take the time to just little by little, instead of expecting to do some massive thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's not a productive way to do things. And um, to give more context around the story, yeah, yeah. No, I, I yeah. And and just to pause on that point, I, mm. I I really love that because everything you just said, I feel personally so uh I, I don't know if I could say it better in my own life. It's sort of this this especially when you're talking about sort of this pull to be creative or to be uh trying to push your ideas and and needing to be part of an algorithm that's just like you know, five or six times a day, there's this guy, uh, Gary Vanderchuk, who's really good on social media and pushes right. a lot of really positive information and ideas. But the guy just has a passion around creating as well. Like, you can tell it's just in his blood. And I'm sort of in your boat, like, some days, it's just sort of like, I love creating, I love being positive. And some days I, I am. And then other days, it's just sort of like, it's not that I'm not those things it's just i don't feel like playing that game or or just don't have the energy to put into that part of the game and you were i loved what you said about needing to be okay with the fact that sometimes playing that game isn't isn't everything in life it's you can be mm -hmm. consistent over time like we were talking about like an author who's written for 40 50 years most of us still have that much time in life. And so there's yeah, this consistency so. of like what you're building, you know, you have time and years and it's, it's not just creating something today for tomorrow. It's what can I do today, tomorrow, and for the next 20, 30 years that will then be this, this grand uh, sort of finished or, or, you know, much more complex, big pro product or or not even thinking of the right word I want to use but being able to showcase this idea and thoughts that you've worked on but don't let me stop this from Hong Kongo what is what this seems to be your your baby the thing that you're you're just starting to get out there tell us a little yeah. bit more about this so Hong Kongo is a I it's funny because I, I've I've really had to refine how I, the best advice i got was like to describe it in 20 words or less um i'm probably not gonna mm. hit 20 words but hong kong is essentially an afrofuturistic and solo punk psychedelic epic 
maybe Epic's a bit too uh, a bit too bold to use right now. But it's essentially a speculative future. Um, it's it's set on our, our planet on Earth, but somewhere in the future where this idea originally stemmed from when China, the CCP, first announced the Belt and Road Initiative, I think back in 2013. And this really caught my attention okay. because I saw specifically through the lens of the African continent and the relationship that China has increasingly so with Af- different African nations. Um, and that that really was the kind of spark. I was like, this is kind of how my brain works, where I love puns, I love wordplay. I mean, if I'm being totally honest, the name Hong Kongo kind of sparked from that because I was like, what would a world look like where China and Africa have kind of fused together, like culturally, technologically, um, socioeconomically, all these different kind of facets. And then that's where the name Hong Kong mm-hmm. came because I thought it was catchy. I thought it was kind of interesting. It's sort of, I feel like it, it evokes, <laughs> it, yeah, it, it evokes these kind of <clears throat> two worlds, I think, coming together. And so from there, I was like, okay, mm. now I had to kind of reverse engineer it a bit. I'm like, and th- and this has really been the process over the the last few years. It's like just doing research, um, and and kind of as I'm exploring, I'm going down different avenues. You know, I'm in some ways stumbling across new things, and then that opens a whole another, you know, like new doors to new ideas and new uh, concepts. Um, mm. Yeah, it really has evolved into, and as you said, you know, it's 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 a for me. I want it to be a project that is just going to. I'm going to be working on for the rest of my life. Um, and I, I hope that it's something that will continue to exist even after I've moved on to the next plane of existence, whatever that might be. Um, and in that way, I, you know, I want to create a world and I want to create a framework in which not just myself, but people from all walks of life, you know, all different disciplines can come and play. Like it's very much, I want it to be like a sandbox, like this sort of, universe it has a set of rules it has a set of sort of foundational elements that define um defines the conditions for how the world is at this current point in time um but everything else sort of in between i want people to come and sort of add those blocks you know to lend their voices their perspectives their experiences um Mm. and i think that's where i'd say the, the sort of there's two elements that have kind of been the final not the final pieces of the puzzle, but they've been um, uh, really helped to define that framework. And the one is the solar punk movement. Um, and the second one is Web3. Like Can this you... new... Yeah. Oh, no, I was going to say, I, 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 I wanted to let you finish. I didn't want to cut you off completely. But I did want to get your opinion on what is solar punk because that is still a really new term it's even new to me it's something that i've just been getting involved with and thinking about over the last few months and i really love the idea i'm there's not many words and many terms that i like to associate with uh, almost at all ever in my whole life and solar punk is quickly becoming a term that i am more and more on board with being like, yeah, I'm a solar punk. Um, not sure if I'm quite there yet, but I'm getting very close to that, which is more is saying a lot based on any other things that I've wanted to do in for most of my life. So uh, that's a long ramble. What is solar <laughs> punk? And you said 
the two main ideas, Solarpunk and Web3. Can you can you maybe give an example for those, what that is and how you're thinking about right. that in so to relation me, to your story? To me, Solarpunk really represents an outlook towards the future, an optimistic outlook for sure. Um, one that is, I think is optimistic, but also practic- like pragmatic and realistic. It's to me one that is embracing the technology that we have and finding ways so to not completely disregard like all these these incredible technologies that we as humans have mm. developed um and to sort of this idea of being in harmony with nature i think can totally be achievable while you know re- by mm. responsibly using the technology we have in like a in a sustainable uh and a responsible way um and yeah, I, I I discovered this genre. I was aware of it. I think it's existed since I'd say the sixties. You know, there there have been versions of it that have existed in literature, in film, but there was never really a label. It was never defined like this is solar punk. I think that was, I believe that was something that was only in the sort of early two thousands was mm. defined by an author. Um, but it to me is really just it re- represents a sort of a harmony and a balance with our planet um, by using, I think, human ingenuity and technology. And but there's also very much a social mm. aspect to it, um, uh, a sort of a egalitarian collaboration between people. It's it's about, I think, mm. community. It's about decentralization. And this is where Web three, I think, is such a appropriate component because this is a framework and a technology for the way we connect through the internet, um, the way we share information, the way we um, build communities, for example. Um, I think it, it really is in a lot of ways an antidote to a very, currently what's a very centralized world. Uh, one that is also very slanted and skewed towards a very small group of people who are essentially benefiting from this current distribution of wealth or distribution of knowledge or of resources. And so, yeah, I I would say like that the sort of solar punk genre was really has become the glue that is kind of holding all these different narrative components in in my projects is what's holding it all together. It's kind of filling all these gaps because while as we progress forward, there will be difficult times, um, whether it's from like a natural sort of climatological perspective or from sort of social social problems that arise this these were always i think yeah. even if we're in a more quote unquote utopian society we're still going to experience challenges there's still going to be a need for resilience but it's about how do we deal yeah. with it in a responsible way how do we how do we adapt and how do we kind of i always like to use this analogy of you know you either go with the flow or you learn to divert it but to never go against it you're always going to expend more energy trying to fight against something so all right so uh we are definitely had a little bit of a technical issue there so i'm going to try to edit what i can in post but you had just described for us uh two main points that really brought together this uh story that you're creating which is uh hong kongo and you had described your thoughts around solar punk as well as the integral role role that web three is playing and maybe i can recap and if i'm wrong on anything you you give me your points so 
solar punk is sort of this idea of using technology and um, environment and the sustainability of new technologies and how we can take the technology that we have from the sun, the solar, renewable energies, and put that into a healthy, sustainable type of life. Connected with Web3, which is for people that aren't familiar with Web3, I think you did a nice job of sort of describing it, sort of brings together these ideas from the internet that we currently are using, and it's running on sort of even what we were talking about in our pre-conversation. It was about uh, advertising and sort of the, the world and the technology we have is runs on advertising and sort of centralization of information and power or decision-making. And Web3 is sort of this idea of taking technology to a new step of allowing every human who uses technology to have sort of this uh, uh, ability to be decentralized and autonomy. How, if, if you feel like I mis, mis-explained any of those points, feel free to elaborate, but also continue on with this idea of Hong Kongo and connection between Africa and China and these ideas. Right. I mean, I think you, you summed it up really well. Um, and to be totally transparent, I, I would say my cup is still very empty when it comes to these concepts, you know, both solo punk and web three. Um, uh, so anyone listening, please excuse my, my very surface level, uh, maybe possibly explanation or understanding of these things. But yeah, I, I'd say where it fits into Hong Kong, and, and this is an element, I think this might also help give some context as to where the world currently is in this sort of fictional future. Um, and very much solar, I think being the operative word, is so this idea that we as a collective, as sort of a, the earth in its entirety experiences a massive solar flare, um, kind of something along the lines of the Carrington events back in the in the 19th century, you know, something that would, to my understanding, kind of level a lot of the technology that we currently rely on so heavily, you know, electronics, digital, just things that require batteries that require, you know, uh, quite very digital systems, basically. Um, and that's in the story itself, I think, is very much the catalyst for where the world is. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think to kind of expound upon sort of the solar punk aspect, it's, of course, it's it's very much about taking the technology we currently have and, and finding ways to develop it further in a responsible way in whether it's uh, manufacturing processes or even just the how much we need to use or consume in order for us to to live sustainably. I mean, arguably right now, we are producing and consuming way more than we need, whether it's food yeah. or whether it's it's things like, not to segue too much or to go too much on a different tangent, but I see so often, you know, you'll see in stores, there's just products that have been mass produced like random objects things that you use to decorate your home and it's very much based on a system of speculation of like we're going to overproduce and we're going to create more than what we need because it's not based on i think figuring out what the individual needs what their requirements are it's, it's very like broad net that 
I think manufacturers yeah. tend to cost. And so mm-hmm. to me, Solarpunk represents, as you said, like the sense of autonomy, I think the sense of also ownership, not just ownership of your material things, but ownership of your you as a person, of your your understanding of the world, of your like this knowledge. And again, to kind of circle back to this idea of being more self-reliant. Um, and so in the context of the story, I'm imagining a world where the playing field has kind of been leveled. You know, the in the story, China, what I refer to as the consortium, is really this conglomerate of different nations that have uh, banded together. I would kind of comparatively something along the lines of BRICS, which is, I believe, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, um, which is seemingly becoming a kind of counter a counter force or like an opposition to what has been established in the West, you know, like the US and NATO and everything. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. in the story, you know, they become, the consortium becomes the dominant superpower. And like, what would it look like where, and I, I truly believe that I think China will be the first country to establish uh, mining operations in space. You know, like they're very proactively now making moves towards um, setting up uh, habitats on the moon. Having They now have their own space station, I believe called Tiangong. Um, hmm. And so I truly believe like that they will kind of pave the way in terms of, uh, you know, industrialization outside of Earth. And yeah. um, what that'll essentially be able to afford them in terms of resources and um, whether it's like raw materials that they would need for producing machinery and vehicles and and structures, you know, habitats and space. Um, yeah. And so the in the story, it's like they really get to the sort of, you know, they kind of becomes this like uh, tipping point or boiling point. Um, I, I think this is very much this world is defined by current events. I, I kind of joke in a lot of ways with with my friends and family that the story is currently writing itself because as I as I look very much at what's happening, not just from an environmental perspective but also geopolitically and and socioeconomically, there's things that are kind of starting to come to bear that I think are yeah I I think kind of feed into my speculation of where the future might be and so where Mm. that kind of deviates in my story is this solar flare event and the effect that it might have on the earth and so the kind of final i'd say character in itself is uh fungi and mycelium and i'm imagining a world where the radiation uh from the solar flare has sort of triggered this immense evolution and kind of almost overgrowth of of mushrooms and fungi and the sort of mycelial network that already exists around the earth and and essentially connect so many different um, ecosystems. Um, It's Mm. really like the kind of organic internet of the world. Um, And so that's, you know, that's where it becomes more, I think, science fiction for me, more fantastical. And that's, uh, while I think it is important to ground it in some kind of reality so that the audience can, is able to connect with it, you know, in, in terms of like what's currently happening. I sure. think uh, just by virtue of it being something that I'm creating in this world that I'm developing, that's where I have, you know, the sort of artistic license to to really just go run wild with it and, and imagine these things that 
might not necessarily be possible, but there's still an ele- elements of it that I think the audience can kind of connect with. Hmm. And, and all these, yeah, all these things I think really align with the sort of, at least my understanding of what solar punk means. It's even in the face of adversity um, that we as humans are able to adapt and to be resilient and to learn to, I think, build a better future from the, I don't want to necessarily say the ruins, but you know, kind of start fresh in a way and, and in a way that we're more mm. living in harmony with nature and learning how to, I think, better adapt and, and find this better balance. Mm. I like that. I, that. That's actually, I was just going to ask, like, what you're hoping to be, like, you're creating the story and it's based on the reality that we're at now with a few unknowns happening and a possible future that we have in the after that and i guess my question for you is like this is a story that you're going to be maybe finishing or having a base construct for maybe in the next number of years and possibly like you said over your lifetime you could be adding to and expanding upon but even in the next let's say you know 20 years or 10 years where do you see this project having an impact and and how like what what is the impact you're hoping or could hope that this has on our current and like actual world that's a great question i think one thing i you know up until this point that i i really struggled with as in in regards to the industry i was working in particularly advertising was Mm. a feeling that i how could i have some kind of positive impact on the world and it doesn't necessarily mean like some huge you know just monumental thing but i think as humans we all want to it's it's just in our nature to want to to make a you know to i guess leave a legacy you know apart from like the sort of very physical thing of of uh having kids and you know kind of continuing our species in that way but I think in the more sort of metaphysical sense of this, especially as a creative is how to, yeah, leaving the sort of, uh, again, I think, I don't know if legacy is the correct word, but just how can I make my mark in a positive way? And then as I've come to explore solar punk and, and particularly web three and this idea of, of like collaboration and building, I think a really, strong framework through which people can communicate can share ideas can help essentially uplift each other um this to me really highlighted an opportunity for me to use a story as a means to inspire people i think even if i inspire you know one person sees my story at some point in the future and that is like plants a little seed in their in their head of it gives them the realization that they can also just by doing something small um, that they can also affect change in their own way, then I, I mm. feel like I would feel fulfilled. You know, I'd be happy to know that I've been a part of this trying to move um, things in, in in a better direction, you know, based on where they're currently going. I, it's it's obviously, it's such a huge slow turning ship, the progress in terms of like the collective progress of we as a, uh, as a species. But I think... I've come to realize the power of, you know, through working in film, particularly the power of stories and 
the impact it can have. It, it could be something purely fictional, but that I know for myself is there's been countless films and and books and music that I've encountered that have just been so inspirational um, and given me just a kind of renewed passion to to try and achieve that same sort of sense of um yeah trying to just lend my voice to to again i trying to hopefully push things in the right direction and, and to show make help people understand that um it's not about achieving some massive grand thing but it's more the sum of its parts it's about doing something small on a local level first and and that'll be exponential you know it's a sort of fractal um kind of unfolding of of uh collaboration and of of sharing information and i think we're at a time where we have so much at our fingertips there's just so much knowledge um more so than ever in in our history of you know you could google whatever you want and now having for example this ai this chat gpt it's it's just so incredible i mean there's of, of course a lot of i think um possible negative things that could come with this i mean particularly right now in the art community with with um things like mid-journey and stable diffusion that are you know in terms of like kind of copyrights around that but as a tool it's just so powerful and i think by extension i see web3 as such a powerful tool for uh collaboration and and also for people to truly own their ideas to own their their creations in a verifiable way, you know, using the blockchain as a ledger um, to have that transparency, but also to allow people to to not be the product. Because there is that saying, you know, if you're not paying for something, like if you're not paying for, for example, Facebook or Twitter, you are the product. And um, I think Web3, and I, I hope this this will persist. And I hope, I know there, there are, of course, people out there far far smarter than me who are tirelessly working on these things, but I'm optimistic mm. that this will ultimately win out. You know, this, there's always in, in stories, you have the, the sort of the protagonist, whatever form or shape that takes, you know, you have the, like in star Wars, it's the empire, you know, you have the, this kind of insidious force that is sort of trying to, they essentially represent this extreme centralization of, resources of thought of of uh lack of privacy of and again it's always slanting towards the sort of small two percent of people who are right at the top and to me the sort of web3 and blockchain and this whole solar punk movement represents a complete disruption of that system and it i hope will put a sense of sort of ownership and sovereignty back into the hands of everyone where they feel empowered to and and inspire you know by extension inspired to affect change on a more decentralized more local level mm. okay okay so if i'm if i'm getting what you're saying i guess sort of correct the idea behind this goal is to really help people think about the possible futures that we have and how we can be most responsible in taking where we're at to where we want to go, like making the smart decisions, the right uh, 
trying to draw a straight line and not trying to, uh, you know, go here and there and back and forth and down and, and uh, backwards <laughs> before we get to where we want to go. Sort of trying to, trying to, there's a, I had an old boss and he said, uh, failing to plan is planning to fail. Right. <laughs> and it's sort of, if, if I'm not misunderstanding, I think that's sort of the idea that you're hoping to, very similar, I think, in the way of what my goals are for this podcast is giving people a possible outcome with a story of how we can move through situations that are similar to what we're facing today in our society. A hundred percent. And I think, I mean, if you look throughout history, um, art and music are two mediums that have existed, you know, as long as modern man has existed, you know, since we were painting on caves, you know, we were essentially encoding these stories, finding ways to kind of transmit this information through almost like universal mediums. I mean, Mm. it's why memes and emojis are so effective because it's just, it doesn't matter, you know, you might speak a different language, like verbally, but everyone understands a smiley face, everyone understands like these different emojis. And it's fascinating to see how that in itself has become its own language, its own way of like, it's become the shorthand of communicating, uh, for mm. better or for worse. I mean, it again, it kind of speaks to this idea of this sort of instant, everything is instant, it has to be done right now. Like, and, you know, whether it, having this this little like rectangle next to me that my entire life is kind of contained within in a lot of ways and how yeah yeah just instant messaging everything's just immediate and again like as, as i said earlier you know i'm i'm trying really hard now to just decouple myself from all these things and to not have these all these expectations unrealistic expectations i would say on myself and and all by extension on other people um, mm. and seeing the value again in like really slowing things down and whether it's with this project, you know, I think being, it's having the expectation or the hope that this is something that will, I'll be working on my whole life. And, um, there's also that idea, uh, about like the author is dead. The moment you release something into the world, it, it isn't really yours anymore, whether it's a story mm. or whether it's a piece of music or an idea. And I think again, like I, this is why it's so important to me to create a framework within that other people can, can play within as well. And that is something I would say is in some ways kind of halted my, me not putting it out sooner because I was so precious about this idea. I mean, again, like the name Hong Kongo, while it is catchy and I think it's, it has a sort of, it has a value and it has this ability to evoke a certain idea. My ego got in the way. I thought it was, I was so scared of like, if I put it out sooner um, with the sort of limited resources and audience that I have uh, had and currently have that someone with way more sort of bigger platform, better skill, more, again, more resources would just kind of scoop it up and claim it for their own. And Mm. it's such a, it's such a, silly way of seeing it like it's such an unproductive way of seeing it i i now understand that it's more important to just consistently put stuff out there obviously not trying to 
become a slave to the algorithm. But yeah, this is this is how you really develop something is to just to just consistently do a little bit, a little bit whenever whenever you have the time and the inspiration, and to not put unrealistic expectations on yourself and this kind of pressure that is will ultimately lead to burnout or even worse to resentment. Um, I've honestly mm. had days where I've worked on commercial projects like storyboarding in particular, where I'll work um, like I'd work on a, on a film. I mean, circling back to dark tower while it's, it's a very awesome IP and story. My personal experience on it was rough. Like mm. I was working 12, 14 hour days, six days a week. Um, it was also at the peak of winter in South Africa. So I would have, I'd, I'd arrive at the office and it's still dark at like 7 a.m. in the morning. And then you leave again at 7 p.m. and it's dark again. And you, it's almost like being in a casino. You know, you had no idea what time it was outside. Like you were so sort of hyper focused on trying to deliver and hit these deadlines that you, I didn't spend enough time outside. And this mm. was like for two, three months. Um, mm. I, I almost burnt out in so many in in so many ways, and so yeah, that's also something that I'm I'm mindful of as I get older. You know, like my ability, my sort of stamina to endure those types of projects, or or to even allow it to happen. I think that's a big lesson that I've I've had as an artist and a creative is setting boundaries for myself and um, to know that people will ultimately respect you by being firmer. You know, not letting because I think the more you sort of put out there or allow for people to take, they they will just take it, especially in, in the sense of like a film production um, because just the nature of it being so like things just have to, you know, everything has to happen. It has to be done. And um, it's not to say that all film productions are like that. It's just, unfortunately my, in some respects, my experience having worked, I think also in a country where there's no union, around uh film and, and television so it becomes mm. a little bit more loosey-goosey with the you know with people's wages and with people's working hours and so if you don't have uh, yeah. your own line in the sand people will just keep asking uh, or, or just 100%. keep demanding uh from you and that is in all aspects if you don't schedule your you know the amount of time you're going to spend on social media they will just keep trying to keep you glued to your phone or computer. If you don't, uh, you know, make a line with, you know, how much time you can spend with certain people, they will just, some, some people will just keep demanding more and more. Uh, that's, I think, a perfect segue for us to do a little bit of a, a, a switch from what you're currently working on and where you want to see that go to a little bit about you and your past and maybe some of the habits that you've, you, you just mentioned sort of one sort of realization that you had in a previous project where you started to find like, you didn't have any time to go outside. You didn't, you know, you needed certain things in your life to, to maintain health just mentally and physically. Uh, can you speak a little bit to maybe some of the habits that you've created and why something along those lines sure i mean this is still very much a work in progress <laughs> I, I i feel as we all sort are of, yeah i mean i i know i there's a a lovely analogy that i believe it was 
there's a, a very sort of well-known and respected concept artist in, in the industry, Shadi Safadi, who said, use this analogy of climbing a mountain, like your development, in this case, it was your development as an artist. But I feel mm -hmm. like this sort of metaphor can apply to all aspects of life. And this idea of always being open to there being another peak that you want to try and summit. And the moment you feel like you've reached the top, it means you only can go down from there. Um, mm. Even though there might be kind of peaks that are obscured by the clouds that you're not aware of. But it's about, I think, having this openness to learning, this sort of curiosity, having this understanding that there's always someone out there who is more skilled than you at whatever it is, like they're better than you. Um, mm. But I always, for me, it, a kind of North Star for me was to always look at like the best people in the industry or people that, you know, that were essentially role models for me. Um, but to, I've, I've come to find that I think while competition's good, you, I think it's more important to not be competing with yourself, but to first focus on yourself before, you know, everything else I think will kind of fall into place around that. And, the sort of habits that I've really found to be effective is just my own day-to-day -day things, you know, like taking care of my physical health. I, I still spend way too much time looking at a screen. Um, I think as most of us do so much so that I, I had to get glasses because my, I just, I became long-sighted. Um, mm. I, that's one thing that I kind of, for me is, is kind of a sine wave of like efficacy of like staying in shape um of taking care of my body um i kind of i kind of liken it to i can't remember the comedian but he said you know my body's like a temple except one of those ones where they let the monkeys shit everywhere and so <laughs> i'm trying to now get rid of those monkeys <laughs> okay and um okay. yeah like just just really take care of my my sort of mental physical temple like be kind to myself as well like i think that's something you know we can we're always our own worst. I think we're always hardest on ourselves, like mm. about just accepting failure. Like failure is such a fundamental component of becoming a better human being. But because I think, and again, this is from my personal experience and through my lens, when you look on social media and you see all these just successes and successes and people just having, they seem to have it all and they're so happy and it's, it's just, it's such a like tiny sliver of, I think, their actual life. You know, everything mm -hmm. else that's kind of around that is like, maybe they were lucky, but I think 99% of the time, these people worked insanely hard and failed more times than they were successful. But we tend to, I don't know, I, I, again, sort of in the sort of sense of the Western world, we tend to shy away from talking about our failures and about these experiences. And I think those mm. are so important, even more important to talk about and to, to, to try and help normalize this idea of it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to like, if you fall off the horse, you just kind of dust yourself off and get back on. And mm. yeah, like again, with my, with Hong Kongo, it's, it's going to be an ongoing thing. It's, I know that it's only going to, I hope that it's only going to continue to get stronger and better and become more realized. And again, as I get more people on board, that to me is more exciting than, than anything I think I could create by myself. It's, it's about having, you know, the sort of computational power of 
different human brains, you know, together and what can that create? Mm. And there's, there's, I know for a fact, like absolutely there's going to be ideas and concepts that I never even thought of. Um, and that really excites me. Um, I think um, one other habit that, uh, that it has really helped, especially coming off the back of the pandemic is just forming those real social connections with people. Um, the importance of face-to-face, you know, actual conversations, like experiences. Um, mm. Obviously, with, with the pandemic, we became so fractured in a lot of ways in the ways we communicated, um, even just feeling. I think I I kind of joke that just by my virtue of being a freelance introverted artist who worked at home, that when the pandemic kicked off for me it was just like another day like i I was so like you know conditioned for this already like i as just wasn't a big shift of gears for me but um even for someone like myself who i like to i like my alone time i like my sort of my independence and space that we are by definition very social creatures and we need you know I, I, my, my social battery, I think the capacity is very different to someone who's way more extroverted and, and really feeds off like sort of activity in large groups of people. But the moment mm. I put more sort of energy into just also trying different experiences, um, like going to meetups, like just using that, you know, meetup.com and finding things in Berlin that I always wanted to do, but was always maybe a bit too shy or unsure about engaging with and having that kind of open mind and open heart to experiencing new things and um, making those new connections with people because I think that exponentially just yeah it it just opens so many doors Um, love that love that have have there been any particular meetings or groups that you found to be really valuable or really just over delivering on anything yeah so more recently i think what was such a a lovely catalyst for me and and again this kind of feeds into the sort of solo punk vibe um i went to a uh what they refer to as like an unconference but this meetup in berlin that was called regens unite um and it was people from very different sort of um you know, different industries, some people from technology, others from sort of more environmental sort of perspective or from uh, uh, more, you know, whether it's finance or, or sort of uh, kind of like more social perspective, everyone coming together with a common sort of hope for the future and a common kind of goal, but in very, I think, practical, very pragmatic ways. And, and this just unabashed optimism you know like all these people knew that things are tough right now and things are probably going to become more difficult before they become easier but Mm. despite that they just were genuinely passionate and excited about doing something doing something about it and not just kind of sitting back and i think it's so much easier to it's so much easier to be negative and to be in some regards to just be dismissive or pessimistic about something, you know, and to kind of just, um, to quote uh, Douglas Adams, you know, in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, it's just like somebody else's problem field is to put this kind of field around it and be like, 
you know, again, like if I can't, if I can't make some massive change in the world, like what's the point of doing anything? But that, mm. that, that meetup just in itself really highlighted for me. Again, it's the sum of its parts. It's like everyone can do something small together and that will, that gestalt, like that collective action is going to affect change. Um, and for me, that was such an injection of like positivity and optimism. And admittedly, I was a little like, um, kind of hesitant at first because there's a part of me that's quite not allergic to this i i don't want to i don't want to speak out of turn and say like the sort of more hippy dippy type of lifestyle but i think um okay a sort of older version of me would have been very resistant to that kind of like mindset and that kind of you know vibration or energy and i think as um as i've done research for the story and and just really opened my mind to a lot of ideas and concepts it's really just helped me also become more empathetic i think and um that to me is probably one of the most important one of the things i value the most is empathy um and Mm. understanding other people's points of view because i feel that so much that's currently happening in this world right now is happening out of fear it's because people don't have an understanding of someone else's point of view or someone else's experience i don't think it necessarily means you have to walk in their shoes you have to experience what they have but just listening to them listening to their story and just having a better understanding of where they're coming from i think is Mm. going to help you become more empathetic and more more patient and more accepting um Mm. and so that if there's one thing i really hope you know that we and this is something I definitely want to touch on in the story is just the importance of, of human connection and, and empathy and how I think that can also drive so much positive change um, mm. and not divide us because we are so tribal right now, whether we want to admit it or not, there's yeah. like the left and the right and then everything in between. And again, and all media married. Is, is, is actually like encouraged to promote that. Uh, they get exactly. the most clicks yeah. and they get the most comments when people are tribal and super dogmatic about opposing things. A hundred percent. I see it. I mean, I, I, it's something I, I, I it's funny because I'm trying to distance myself from social media, but I invariably kind of end up just like getting pulled into it. And yeah, just kind of being a, a sort of fly on the wall and seeing these. And they're, they're terrible mediums for dialogue. Like, even though Twitter is about writing you know it's about expressing your putting your thoughts into words it's so one it's just like putting it into like a cannon and just shooting it into the ether and some people are going to get hit by it and then they react and it's just super like (laughs) it's true it's just so insane to me and uh, i i don't know what the solution is i don't know what apart from actually having like real conversations like this like even though we are doing it remotely Mm. it's a long form organic conversation you know where we have technical difficulties we have (laughs) different points of view but i think that's such a beautiful thing and it's it's why i think podcasts in particular become so popular because it's not Mm. this bite-sized like news report where you know it has to be 30 seconds and you're trying to jam all the stuff into it and then you move on to the next thing it's like no we want to give it time to breathe and to you know to really just explore stuff and um, exactly you you get to know somebody when you you hear them explain not only one idea but multiple ideas and you get to have a more round empathetic perspective of them 
two things from what you were saying for me really just stood out. And like the, the one is social, like what you just mentioned, social media, like I am not perfect at this, but I feel compared to what I hear other people talking about on like Twitter, for example, or other social medias is TikTok, I think, and Twitter do this very well. Instagram and Facebook, I feel eh, maybe they do it or, or they did it a little bit better a, a little longer ago, but or a little ways back. But I feel Twitter and, and TikTok in particular right now are this way. And I hear people having really strong opinions based about the like sort of knee-jerk reaction to all of the conflict. And the algorithm there does exist, but you can also learn to use the algorithm. Like liking the stuff you actually like, following mm. the people you actually want to hear from. Uh, you know, disliking, TikTok even gives you the option of, I'm not interested in this. <laughs> and and so does Twitter as well. And so like taking, even though it takes a little bit of time, taking that energy to like, I don't want to see this kind of stuff. It, you can mold that algorithm a, a little bit to give you more of the things that you want to see and, and or general ideas about where you're going. And it curating that experience, I think really is valuable and important to not just get barraged with mm. all sorts of things that just have a lot of a lot of which are negative or really just unuseful or wasteful as far as your time like my, my partner and and I actually joke because she'll go through TikTok and it's just one or two basic things all the time and she's like it's just the same things all the time and I've spent a lot of time on the app but I've also been very particular about like you know I will have homesteading and then I have web three and then I'll have a uh, mental health and then I'll have, you know, and so like my videos are very different compared to what I've taken the time to try to curate. And then the second thing that I found really awesome about what you just said is this idea around like uh, empathy mm -hmm. and, and it plays into this is as you get to know and uh, for me, it also played into your ideas around your project Hong Kong and sort of this uh, mycelium network expanding. Uh, for me, I felt like I was an empathetic person. I felt like I could understand what other people were feeling or thinking for a long time. And then it was just a few years back, I, I experienced and, and uh, took uh, magic mushrooms or psilocybin for the first time. And since then have had multiple experiences and one of the most profound perspective changing aspects that that had for me was this ability heightened exponentially heightened ability to be able to try to hear what people were saying feel what they would be feeling in their situation try to look at it very much as like, okay, this person is making the best decision they can with the information and the knowledge they have, which is weird, especially when uh, I think Elon Musk says things, he, he said this and I've heard him say it, and I'm sure he's probably saying it from somebody else, but you have to be willing to hear things you don't like from people you don't like. 
this idea of when I hear something I don't like from somebody I don't like, <laughs> we'll say, which isn't many people, but you 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 can come across those types of people online and in, through social. This idea of being like, why are they looking and saying and thinking and feeling these types of things, which I find to be, at the very least, it takes my emotions down a notch in the sense of like not being getting angry or not feeling outraged or not being upset drastically about certain things some things still do that for me but but it helps me to take one step down and be like okay how are they coming at this and how do i want to then come at this in response uh, along the lines one other thing that you did mentioned was sort of art and you've mentioned a few um in a few sentences like uh you've mentioned video and so forth are there any like podcasts or books or videos art things of that sort that for you really just stand out that you feel have had an outsized impact on your life yeah i i mean that's a great question i i think the one thing i i think i haven't touched on in terms of like and this has been a very instrumental influence in my you know as a child and my sort of adult life is is video games um yeah. i'd say before i really connected with film i probably first more so connected with video games as a medium and as a means of not just escaping into these worlds but as a way of for them to transmit information and ideas and um yeah there's there's so many games that i think it's also because games themselves as a medium are, you know, like a film, for example, you have like maybe an hour and 20 minutes and you sit down and you watch the thing, but it's often, it's a very kind of one way sort of transaction where you, you know, it's, it's, it's a very guided, it's something the director has envisioned. They've collaborated with a whole production team, a whole crew to execute on this vision. And so this mm. is essentially like a on rails sort of, you know, representation of, of this individual's vision. But video yeah. games, and particularly open world, like sandbox games, it's, yeah. I think why I was so attracted to it is because you could really, at your leisure, at your time, just explore. And you weren't necessarily, you know, of course there are games which are very like on the rails and very linear. Um, mm -hmm. To me, the ones like that have had such an impact are the ones that are very open world and I think have, if I really think back, like games like Elder Scrolls, uh, Morrowind, yeah. Super has had such an impact on me, like in terms of world building and and just yeah, this this really deep sense of narrative that that Bethesda have have created. And I mean, say what you want about Bethesda's games. I don't know how familiar you are with their titles. Well, like Fallout. I, I've spent hundreds if not thousands of hours on uh skyrim and so bolivian you, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And, and so like they're not perfect by any stretch but there's a reason people still come back to them it's because there's just this both with fallout and with elder scrolls there's just such a beautiful sort of at its core like this energy and essence that it has and it evokes I, I honestly, why I kind of reference Morrowind is because I felt like that was the last one, at least for me, where 
you weren't, you know, it didn't hold your hand. Like Oblivion mm-hmm. that came after was great, but it already started to feel a little bit more like, cool, like this is the main quest and you have to do this. And like, we keep pushing you in this direction. Where for Morrowind, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember you started this sort of town at one point in the map. If you decided to not follow the quest and just literally go the opposite direction, you're going to end up encountering enemies that are like some of the toughest in the whole game. And you're going to, you'll probably get your ass handed to you. But like that idea that there's no, there's no limits or there's no sort of guard, invisible guardrails. Um, and yeah, I, I think definitely, I mean, there's so many other games that have had an impact. I'd say like Shadow of the Colossus is also one that uh, had a really big impact on me. Um, and the other one being Age of Empires. Um, mm. That I, I mean, I the first one came out, I believe, when I was nine, ten years old. And for me, why it's a particular fond memory is that something my dad and I did together. You know, like I'll never forget us going to the to the electronics store to buy the game that had just come out. And back then, you had like PC magazines. I mean, you still do, I guess. But back then, everything was in print, and like we discovered yeah. this game, and we both got super hyped about it. My dad was always like very much into computers and to programming he was an engineer and so he he was definitely the catalyst for me of like being interested in in computers and and what that technology represented and by extension you know video games and so Mm. playing like setting up a LAN with him and playing like the whole weekend just playing age of empires and it was just yeah that that it's just had such a i definitely can attribute i think my general knowledge of history in a sense to even just those games because they had this sort of whole encyclopedia like built into the game of like all the different cultures and civilizations. And I would just spend hours just paging through, like they had these beautiful illustrations. I mean, shout outs to Craig Mullins. who's like the absolute, one of the grandfathers of concept art. I mean, he's, he's still around and he's still just making incredible work, but like the illustrations that he did for creative assembly for those games are phenomenal. I mean, he was one of the first truly digital, concept artists and Mm. um i think to parallel with those games i think stories like stuff that is created by studio ghibli um have had a profound impact on me um again the sort of there's often a lot of parallels drawn between ghibli and and solo punk you know that kind of vision of the future because the the sort of underlying message a lot of the I'd say Miyazaki's films predominantly, but other directors with working within Ghibli have, it's it's a sort of balance with nature, this but also using technology, I think, in a responsible way. And I mean the one that for me really stood out and it's probably had the biggest influence on Hong Kong is is Nausicaa, um, Valley of the Wind. And um because also I mean there's just such a even especially back then when it came out, like the representation of like fungi and mycelium and this this kind of post-apocalyptic world in this world that is sort of almost re-established itself but sort of fungi being higher on the sort of food chain you know like this these sort of super immense forests of like just yeah it's just like i keep coming back to it because they just had such a beautiful message and such a beautiful energy to it and um yeah i kind of losing track of what your original question was no no the original question was you know was there any types of art 
mm. in general, podcasts, books, video games, movies say, that yeah, that I had mean, an impact on you. And so yeah, I, I definitely yeah. feel from what you were explaining that like these different types of uh, video games, which are, mm. you know, a collage, like movies, a collage of various types of art from various people coming together as sort of a curation of or a symphony of artists as a presentation uh, yeah. but the really cool thing about those a lot of those games that you mentioned are this freedom to choose this freedom to explore this freedom to discover which is definitely seems like it's had a huge impact on your life to even in the sense of how you're trying to you know now be creative in your own right a hundred percent. I think symphony is a fantastic word because it's, I would, I would say maybe even more so than film, like the collaboration that's required to make a video game. Um, there's so many different components, you know, and it, I mean, some AAA titles, they are in development for like four or five years, even longer. And there's just so much that goes into it. There's so much love and like energy that gets put into this thing. And, um, mm. and again, like kind of, these Bethesda titles, like they just, I keep coming back to them. I know I, I always keep my expectations relatively, <laughs> like relatively low because um, I think as they've become even more sort of behemoths within the industry, you know, the, the expectation from the audience just becomes so immense. It's like, you can't, you're never going to be able to please everyone, but um, obviously the more you put into something, especially in terms of financial investment, you have to then make that back. And so it's like this really interesting dance of like kind of coloring within the lines and using this formula that you know is going to work, but at the same time trying to push the envelope and, and just extend mm. the boundary of like creativity. And that's also something that, yeah, as I'm as I'm trying to build out my own world, it's like it has to be relatable and people have to be able to kind of connect with it, but. I also want, again, very much to that collaborative effort of of bringing other people on board is to um, to kind of keep unfolding it and, and just just seeing all these interesting different directions that it might be able to go into. And um, that's why I, I think I want it to be essentially like an IP, like a, a property that can be adapted to a graphic novel or a game or a, a tabletop game or a card game or a film, you know, or anything really like referring that, to hong kong yeah. correct yeah exactly okay yeah so just to maybe flush that out a tiny bit more because i want to I, w- I want people to understand that well and i'm not sure if i understand it fully yet and maybe because it's still in the process of being developed but the idea that you have is sort of creating a storyline or a story world that then will allow for games, movies, shows, books, or things to be developed within or upon top of? Is that the idea? Yeah, I I mean, I'd say, and again, something that's had a profound impact on me is is the Star Wars universe. I I would say that's probably one of the most successful examples of like an IP that has, it started out as a film, uh, Mm. as a trilogy, and then subsequently, I mean, Again, for better or worse, the fact that Disney owns it is a whole nother conversation, but it's allowed, it's given them the ability to really just 
keep unfolding this thing and to just you yeah. know really like explore all these little nooks and crannies that kind of were maybe mentioned in the films i mean i can't speak from having read the books uh, i've read one or two but i know there's the expanded universe of star wars is insanely immense and same with the star trek for example and um yeah to for me i feel like my role and responsibility for this project is to kind of set the ground rules to set like almost put the really big building blocks there and then mm. for everyone to come and fill like smaller blocks in between you know and, and get more granular and more specific and more really get into like you know a specific character or, or a location and a, a religion or a culture or like yeah mm. and, that, and that's i think the phase i'm at now is is defining those kind of building blocks and rules for the world and so that at least gives people a kind of framework and a blueprint and they're like okay cool there are these fungi there's a sort of mycelial network that has evolved beyond what we currently know to be people have the ability to tap into that to transmit information and to extract knowledge as well um, mm. that to me is an interesting concept that because fungi has existed arguably longer than any other organism on this planet I think in many ways, and, and to kind of touch on what you're saying with psilocybin, I think that's had a very formative impact on our evolution as a species. You know, there's that, I think it's Terence McKenna or, or his brother Dennis, the stoned ape theory, that yeah. at some point, like early man, you know, pre-modern man, through trial and error, I would imagine, found these like, these psychoactive plants um, and, and fungi, and, and that really just expanded their consciousness um mm. i'm quite open to the idea that because uh spore certain spores and lichen can survive in the vacuum of space that this is possibly something that was introduced you know from a, like a meteor or asteroid that hit earth and from there it's like that really was the catalyst you know fungi very very like way way back before we had any animals on land or any plants they they were they were the organism that allowed plants to migrate from the sea onto land and to then completely change the atmosphere as well. Sort so of like, instead of a, instead of a 2001 space odyssey with like a, 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 a sphere, a you know, a, a monolith, yeah. monolith, that's the word I was looking for coming yeah. down to earth. Man, yeah, it's, it possibly could have been fungi that, that opened yeah, I mean, up they're, these, uh, they're enlightenment. So alien. And um, I mean, they're more closely related to animals than they are to plants. Uh, yeah. We often, I think, just associate them with plants because you know they they grow in forests and on the ground, and but they're yeah. themselves their own like species or kind of you know kingdom. And yeah. there's so much we still haven't discovered. I think I believe it's like three percent of the, what we believe exists on the earth that we we understand and have um taxonomized you know like actually studied um mm. yeah and again that, that's to me such a fascinating field of study like i i think it's just been so demonized since the 70s you know because it, it it really posed i think a threat to to governments and to these kind of centralized bodies that were trying to create a sort of framework in which people could not really think for themselves you know to kind of have others think for them and so you know that was that was sort of argued through the lens of it being destructive and like lsd is going to melt your brain and like you're going to become a, a just 
crazy serial killer, which, I mean, this is a whole nother topic. Like what I understand about MK ultra, which is just crazy. And then what the CIA did, but, um, that you come to realize that this has been such an instrumental part of, of our cultures throughout the world and, and this relationship that we've had with plant medicine and with, with, um, and also like non-psychoactive plants, you know, like this deep understanding of nature and the sort of cyclical relationship that everything has and how everything is connected as well. And um, again, I, I really want to explore that in the story is kind of we, through the lens of, of adapting and developing the modern technology that survived post after the solar flare, which I would imagine would probably be more kind of analog things, you know, like radio radio waves using vinyl um a concept that i'm i'm really excited to explore more is this idea of of these what i refer to as myconauts so these kind of adventurous people who are exploring the kind of you know outside of the limits the bounds of cities you know the more sort of wild parts of the world that have grown out of control is they have this ability to extract certain types of fungi convert that into like an analog disc like a like a vinyl disc and play that back you know to be yeah. able to extract that information from the greater mycelial network um oh, cool. and so that as well has been a big influence you know the sort of 60s 70s that whole movement that like the, those technologies that came about i mean vinyl obviously occurred sooner but there was really that wave of creativity and that wave of like innovation that stemmed as a result of more people discovering um psychedelics in general I mean, there's an immense amount of uh, historical evidence that cultures around the world have used multiple types of psychedelic, if you want to even use that word, uh, you know, psychoactive uh, plants to have mind opening experiences or healing experiences in in the physical and mental uh, realms. And so it's, it's, it's quite interesting how certain People, we we talked about how advertising and how uh, certain types of companies that are trying to sell or grow in one particular area have changed the way that humankind has acted and how we respond and what we consider to be the norm and, and where we're at even today, based on you know what happened in the 60s and 70s as far as like this war on drugs or this mm. war on you know certain types of ways of thinking and or plants that you know open up different ways of thinking uh, how that was labeled and promoted in a certain way that was just like it is you know you're going to lose your mind you're going to kill yourself you're going to hurt others all things that people still don't want today but really uh, not only a successful advertising strategy, but it was a complete fabrication uh, and lies in in large part, or if 100%. not, it, it, oh, completely. So, yeah, and I, I think it's through, as you say, creating that fear around something, and and through my own experience with with these substances, it's like they don't, they only shine a light on what what is already there. You know, they don't make you. You know, if you experience paranoia, it's because you already have feelings of fear or paranoia around something that's subconsciously sitting within you. They just bring it to the surface and kind of really like, you know, confront you confronted with these things. And and so I see, while of course, like 
there are moments where it's recreational and it's it's just you know it's it's more superficial and fun it really is a tool in in so many ways for you to really do an audit of yourself and and like mm. your your subconscious and um yeah i, I think they to your point that they were so effective at it because of creating this fear and then you then carry that fear and that sits with you and it's like a it's like it's just own sort of entity that's in, within you and then you when you're you may be exposed to these substances it you have a bad time you have a bad trip because you're carrying this like tension and this um so yeah i mean it, it's 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 fascinating i think to see how um just narratives i think that really is the operative word you know mm. with this this conversation is the power of narratives for good and for bad um yeah and how how effective they can be you know like a message and there's there's a reason why certain messages and certain narratives have persisted you know the sort of hero's journey it's because that's mm. something i think that has been um transmitted and communicated since we were able to communicate um there's certain principles and values that i think are have you know the sort of about having good morals about being a good person about being empathetic um those have persisted in different mediums because it's something that truly resonates with us um and yeah i, I think again re like resonates and vibration it's it's when i was younger i was so really allergic because i i'd always separate spirituality and science and um yeah i think you come to realize that there's way more overlap between the two than than i think people often like to admit or, or give credit to and there's a lot less we know than we, <laughs> as, you, exactly. as we learn more, you realize there's a lot more we don't know. <laughs> yeah. There's a fantastic quote, which I, I'm, I'm not, I can't say, cause I, I just, I'm going to get it wrong, but it's about scientists who, who know, oh man, I wish I could say it, but about knowing nothing, like the more you study everything, the more, you know, nothing about everything, something along those lines, but it's, yeah, it's it's the realization that we we don't have everything figured out. We're still in the kind of scheme of things. We're still children in a lot of ways, and um, mm. I I do truly hope that in our lifetime that we get to experience this kind of you know progression or the sort of collective like uh, you know to like upliftment or some kind of yeah like collective evolution. I think um, whether that is physical or or spiritual or like whatever form that might take i i both together <laughs> yeah even. yeah and I, I think it's it's kind of an inevitable there's this sort of greater cyclical nature of the universe that um again like we see everything we experience everything so through our like 3d you know selves like our 3d meat vehicle that that we're carrying around and, and we have fears and, and hopes and dreams and love. And, um, but I think outside of that, there's just a much bigger cyclical sort of pattern and wave that exists on all levels, like a fractal sort of pattern, you know, that, that throughout the universe from the smallest you know, subatomic thing to like the universe itself. Mm. Um, and so the more I'm I'm coming to understand that, those patterns and, and that that cycle it's also helped to kind of give me um yeah to just be more 
uh, able to focus on the things that I can change and that I can have an effect on and, and not worry about these things that are just so out of my control um, and that are going to continue to persist, you know, even though, even after I'm long gone, like, you know, I, I'm part of the, the soil again. Um, and that's, it's terrifying because, <laughs> um, yeah, we, uh, we are very cent- like human centric and our ego often gets in the way, but um I think having it's very humbling to know that you know there's just there's just so much more out there and it's it's it, on such a scale that I can't even comprehend and um, mm. that also does put this sort of in a way a pressure on me to just not uh, spend so much time worrying about stuff and just spend more time just doing stuff and enjoying the moment and being present and um, being there for my friends and, and loved ones and um, yeah, but that's it's it's easier said than done, I think, in many ways. I think I think really that 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 is an interesting idea that the the cosmic cosmic insignificance theory. I think it is something along those terms. It's sort of this idea that there's so many things happening that are completely and utterly outside of our control, but yet there are a few things that are in our control. Uh, mm. The decisions that we make, the actions we take, the way that we look at things, and and the moment in which we're living, the enjoyment that we can take from those things, um, or the pain and the fear and the the scariness of that all of of it all, depending on how we look at the same things, sometimes um, really have it, it. Really comes back down to that point of like, okay. Do I want to live in this type of a world or in this type of a world? And what actions can I actually take to start to create, to start to move towards the type of world that I want to live in? The type of mindset in which I want to exist in is really, I think, so key, so important for us to try to keep focused on to try to keep front of mind um maybe maybe uh we're we're, as we're going through these things is there any maybe we start to bring this to a close this particular conversation is there is there anything in particular that you would like to highlight maybe an idea a thought that you want to uh leave everybody with uh at least for this conversation and um and then we can we'll start to wrap this up a little bit, and I think we'll if we want to have a second conversation, we can because yeah, we've I mean, enjoyed we've enjoyed other so conversations, much to, and yeah. we can talk about Just, so much. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I think yeah, it's it's as I said earlier, I, I also tend to just I tend to um, segue so much, and and I, I love that journey of 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 dialogue and conversation because you never really know where you're going to end up. And but to mm. I think in closing, I'd say. I mean, be kind, be kind. I think be kind to yourself, be kind to others. The more you understand the world, you know, whether that's through traveling or even through the internet, you know, just learning Mm. about things, about people, about cultures, about different religions, about different points of view. I think that that just unlocks your inherent empathy. Everyone, I don't think there's anyone in the world who's truly bad. I just think there's Mm. people out there who've unfortunately had a set of circumstances, whether it's environmental, you know, things that have happened to them that have really pushed them in a direction that they probably didn't even want to go in in the first place. 
um, you know, we all we're all born into this world as 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 like kind of blank slates in a way as children, and it's about tapping back into that what you had as a kid, you know, like that just unfettered imagination, that sense of curiosity of like wanting to just explore and experience everything. And um, yeah, mm. I think I, I, I want to encourage everyone to, to just give yourself the time and the patience and give yourself the permission to do new things, you know, to not feel, not feel, con- I know it's easy said than done. And this is very much from personal experiences to not worry too much about how someone else might think about what you're doing. As long as you're not hurting anyone or anything, you're not, you know, being malicious, then go for it. Just just do it. Express yourself. You know, like we are so finite. Um mm. it just yeah, before you know it, you're like you're in your your hopefully your eighties and you're like I, I I personally just don't wanna look back and be like, oh damn, you know, I wish I wasn't so critical about this and that or wasn't so kind of worried about how people would receive it and um yeah Mm. i I think um the more you're able to just start small focus on your immediate reality your immediate self the things as you said are you're able to change and to work on that's going to have a i think a positive impact on how you perceive yourself how you perceive the world and and hopefully by extension how you influence other people and Again, I, I think there's definitely a shift. We're going through some kind of crazy shift right now. Like it's becoming more and more tangible, like more electric. Like I think more and more people are starting to feel this thing is happening. And it's really about just, yeah, being the best version of yourself that you can be and to help shift things in the right direction. Mm, yeah. I hope I that love makes that. sense. No, I think it does. And, and we're not perfect, you know, technical problems like we've had in this very <laughs> yeah. conversation, you know, we're gonna, we're human. And so we have these, you know, sometimes we have super focused clarity and can take action exactly and move from point A to point B super fast. And other times we take a little bit of a, 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 a way around, but the idea is to try to learn to have that experience to try to um, hopefully make the world a little bit better uh, through through the actions that we're taking and so forth. So, uh, Carl, I think this is awesome. I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and chatting a little bit, ex- exploring your vision through Hong Kongo and your ability to, to your artistic ability to create and hopefully as we move into the future maybe we can do another round as things start to develop even more and and people can explore that more we'll definitely add all of your social uh and the links to everything you have so far so people can like we said at the beginning follow that or you know get learn a little bit more reach out to you um beautiful like uh i just said you know if people at the beginning if you'd like to share or follow um this type of information if you found any of this interesting please please do and um carl once again thank you uh and thank you to all the people who are listening uh please dream big uh think hard be empathetic be kinder to yourself and to others than you would normally be and thanks for listening awesome